This is Corolla Digital. This is Reasonable Doubt with your hosts, Mark Garrigus and Adam Corolla. Yeah, get it on. Got to get it on. Get it on. Welcome to the best hour or so in the universe. It's Reasonable Doubt. I'm Corolla. That's Mark Hardout, Soft Taco Garagas over there. In studio. Happy to be here. Glad to see you. Yeah. I missed you. Where did you watch Super Bowl? Uh, at Jimmy's. Oh. Yeah. Well, I, I, my invitation got lost. No, no. He didn't invite you. <laughs> <laughs> Not everyone loves you like I do. Yeah, I, Mark. That's true. I'm You're a, a I'm an acquired taste. Yes, I'm yeah. a I'm polarizing. You're polarizing. You really are. I'm trying to think of, and I'm sure Jimmy loves you. He he kept it pretty lean and and mean this year because really? um, did he his, barbecue this year? He made his uh, hot wings and drumettes and oh, it was all there. Yeah. I mean, all the best, the, the, the best. But. Um, but it is interesting. I never really thought about that. You of of many many modern personalities, you may be what's considered polarizing. I in am today's a polarizing America. in today's America. Clearly, although it's hard for people to reconcile because I go left, I go right, and uh, sometimes in between. And yeah, so you're an elusive target. It's hard to put a label on you, and I and I, I wish. It kind of reminds me of Bill Maher. Just uh, people should just have a little more range because well, it's a lot. Life's a lot more interesting with range. I always feel like I I find that, and I also find that I tend to believe the people that have range when they say something versus partisan this way or, or that partisan way. So that that's way, yeah. that's I, good, I'm but. I'd say you are. I'd say you and maybe uh, one of your clients, Kaepernick, maybe two of the most sort of polarizing figures out there if you think about it right yeah then they i thought about him quite a bit yesterday so i didn't talk to him though i should have but i did not he's uh he's quite he's got a lot going on you know the those series of cases that we had up in bakersfield Mm -hmm. um he has made a documentary out of called killing fields which is out on hulu in the last week and it's done very well on um a series of cases. I'll have the maybe uh, next week when you're back. I'll have some of the uh, spoilers, so to speak. But the Ramirez what were family. The- we had a bunch of Bakersfield has got an inordinate amount of uh, in their PD uh, with uh, wrongful deaths, police mm-hmm. shootings, and we went in there years ago and started. One led to another, led to another in terms of the representation. And uh, and there was some significant uh, structural changes that were made. The AG came in and um, the department had to revamp. It was very similar. You'll remember we had the same thing back in Utah at the West Valley where there, that woman was executed by the cops. And then it turned out we had put up a bumper sticker or billboards and we got some tips. And then next thing you know, it turned out they disbanded the drug unit there because of all the shenanigans. So, yeah. What's your take on the Scorpion? You know, that's a – that's a I've thought about – and you I don't think we've talked about this, but mm-hmm. it sure is interesting because for years – and you've kind of led the charge on this. I mean, Daniel Shaver, you uh, you wrote a chapter in one of your books on him. Mm-hmm. And 
we have you and I have made the point. I've made the point that it's the police culture that is the real problem here, and that it's the the media casts it with other narratives, but mm-hmm. the it's the culture itself that kind of subsumes people, and that I think was on just display with the, with what happened in Tennessee. What do you think is going to become of those guys? I think they're going to get convicted. Second degree? What are they trying no, to do? No, I think that – I see, the, the worst part of that is the gloating. Mm-hmm. I, uh, that, that's going to really do them in. I mean, they to, – to me, it's a very hard case to defend um, to begin with. And to I can see all the problems with prosecuting it because anytime you prosecute a cop, it's a tough – it's a tough uh, lift. But – the gloating afterwards is really hard to stomach. Where, you know, that case is is interesting because they they pulled him over allegedly for reckless driving, but then they say, we don't have any proof of the elect, uh, of um, reckless driving, although I assume he was doing something that they didn't want. Otherwise, their MO would just be pulling random people over and pulling them out of the car. Well, the, you know, how many death. times I've told you my father's favorite line, you know, there's more guys in the joint on a broken ta- taillight than any other. Uh, and if the broken taillight isn't there, bam, they'll break the taillight. So in the footage just picked up to them ripping this guy out of the car. Right. That recreation of birth. You, but, you remember? Yes. Birth, bam, but I, I, I kind of think there was something that led up to that. Otherwise, I haven't seen. Maybe Gary can insane. find it. I haven't seen it. No, I haven't, I haven't seen, seen it. it. I haven't seen it either. But I mean, I don't know if that's because it's just so horrid. The beating is so horrid. So that leads or, you know, leads if it bleeds. The I, it, just, it literally starts from them walking up to the car and yanking them out to the ground. But it seems like before that there had to be some instructions given or something. I mean, otherwise it makes them patently insane and just evil versus abusing power, you know, just sort of running know, up say, the motorist. Right. But it's, Shocking to me in this day and age of video body cams, mm-hmm. people out there at any point that guys still act like this. I there's something I thought video cameras were going to solve that they don't solve. Right, I thought, I always thought back going back politically, they, uh, globally, that you would have, you know, autocrats would have a problem. The Arab Spring, if you remember. That the idea, you know, what's going on in Iran right now proves that that isn't the case because they shut it down. It's hard to get some kind of real-time transparency of what's happening. It's not as, I don't know, it's not as transparent, I guess, as you would think. So what's on your mind in terms of Well, I think the case, the Murdoch case, and Gary's got, I think some videos. This has mm. captured, clearly has captured the imagination of the true crime crowd. And mm-hmm. uh, and by the way, it's, you know, I get all of the daily legal summaries of cases around mm-hmm. the country. And, and uh, you can tell when it permeates those daily summaries mm-hmm. that you have reached That's the a, zeitgeist. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So there's one. There was a lawyer who testified. His name was Mark, is Mark Tinsley. Tinsley is the gentleman who was representing the family 
of the uh, the uh, deceased and was suing Murdaugh and Murdaugh's son for the boating accident. Oh, that one, right. So Gary's got the financial disclosure piece, which I want you to this is the So this one's this one's interesting. I just want to add a little something to this because he does a bit of a smackdown here at the end. He's being uh, examined by the defense and uh he, let's just say he came prepared. <laughs> he he's being examined by the defense that he's the attorney for the kid who died in the boating accident earlier when the son was allegedly drunk. Correct. And there the what he to put it in context, the the murder of Murdaugh's Wife and Chai son takes place, I believe, on June 7th. There is a motion to compel hearing set for June 10th, which he would have participated in. Mm-hmm. Just, do you typically get this level of financial discovery of defendants? I think so. I think the judge ultimately agreed to give it to him. He agreed to give it to you? Sure. But I thought the hearing didn't happen. Well, you thought wrong. There's a lot of papers, so maybe you got confused. He granted this motion? I think so. You want to see the order? Yeah. Oh, it pulls it out. <laughs> wow. So that one's been making the rounds on the Murdoch Twitter. People really so, like that. By the way, um, he knew that question was going to be asked. The defense lawyer should have known that question was going to be asked. Do you think he's just pulling it out because he didn't expect it? No, he expected, but why didn't the guy asking the questions know what the answer I, was? There's, I look. This is not Dick Carputley, and it's one of the guys on the defense team. I don't know if, and we'll see one more. Um, oh, you carve out the one armo, <laughs> and then you circle the wagons around the one armo on the where, defense team. Where I'm, I'm, I'm uh, criticizing the Odar, uh, yes. the, or the or the Jermog, but uh, this. There is a world in which they could be making the calculation. And I I wouldn't do this, but I I understand. This lawyer who's doing the examination mm-hmm. could say to himself, "Hey, this guy Tinsley who's testifying is he comes on very strong. He comes on very aggressive." While if you're his if you're his client, mm-hmm. you love that. Mhm. There are people who this rubs the wrong way. Just like you were saying, I'm polarizing. When I come on aggressively, that can be very polarizing. To Maybe, the jury? To, a, to, to people. Right. To lay people. There may but, be but the calculation yeah. that the defense lawyer thinks, if I'm going to get up there and just do aw shucks and this guy's going to come on aggressively, that might turn off the jury. Uh-huh. I don't know. What do you think about when he pulls out the order? Do you want to see the order? If you're on the jury. Listen, I'm not going to leave the house without a folded up piece of paper in my breast pocket that says <laughs> nothing on it. Because if I'm ever stopped, like if a neighbor says, hey, your dog just took a dump on our lawn and you didn't clean up. And go, oh, really? <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm going to open my blazer and pull out a piece of paper and get him to apologize. I just feel like when you're pulling that paper out, you've won. So I did a cross-examination more than 25 years ago where I was asking the witness a question, and, I, and it was a very high-profile case, and I wanted to get them to admit that it was, a, it was an officer of independent counsel. It was Hickman Ewing um, who was the special counsel uh, mm-hmm. on Hillary Clinton. I said – and I pulled out something. On Hillary Clinton. Yeah, and I said, isn't it true – 
Mr. Ewing, that you had a draft indictment for Hillary Clinton in your desk drawer. And he kind of looked both ways and goes, yeah. And courtroom just – every reporter in there, because this is back in the 90s, was running out of the courtroom to go grab the payphone. Well – what I had was was a New Yorker article, which right. I just you know right. I read it. There. But yes. you know the witness is always going to worry that you know what you've got is the document. And you're about to hit him over the head with right. It. Yeah. So so okay. So let's play the next one, and then you tell me. I want to get your opinion on this guy as a witness. If you're a juror, he is the attorney for, for the deceased, the deceased from thing. a separate case. Correct. Which the, their prosecution is saying is the motive for him wiping out his wife and his son. Right. And presumably this case of the kid dying on the boat, there would be criminal and civil as well. Right? Correct. There would have been a criminal case and he's representing the family and the civil matter. Right. And I think it's worth pointing out for the content of this clip that in a later incident that the bungled, you know, attempted suicide, you know, by uh, higher where he had one of his buddies apparently like put a hit out on him so that his son could collect on the insurance money. Mm-hmm. That's going to come into play here, too. All right. I reviewed the policies. It was apparent to me that there was no possibility that any of the insurance that he had at the time of the boat crash would apply uh, to this, and if there was a possibility, it would be limited to an idea that uh, Ellick was negligent in allowing Buster to give Paul his duplicate ID that he had made so Paul could purchase alcohol. Did uh, Alec have a policy, an umbrella policy with Nautilus at this point in time that was available? He he, he did not. He had... Explain um, that to the court. Why that was not available, please. It, it, it appeared from review of the records that um, there was an open claim when the policy came up for renewal. And that open claim was the Satterfield matter. Um, and that it was Nautilus and I think Lloyd's of London. And they would not renew the policy. And so he had to... Sorry, there was just a weird edit on the end of that clip, but mm-hmm. that, that was. You like, also notice that's the one where everybody go back for a second. I want to get Adam's take on this. Everybody has talked about the kid, and mm-hmm. they say he's flipping the bird to the witness. Oh, wait a minute! What kid is a redheaded? Kid? The redheaded kid is the surviving son of Murdoch, uh. and as this guy's testifying, this became kind of the Twitterazzi. Uh, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, tour de jour. Mm-hmm. And Gary's going to go back. He is the surviving son mm-hmm. who, when Gary was mentioning Who him, thinks his dad is innocent? Yes, yes. And he was kind of flipping the bird. Um, and that it was Nautilus and I think Lloyd's of London, and they would not renew the policy. And so he... See, I don't know that he's flipping the bird because I'll tell you why. I'm going to come to his defense. He's then looking at his finger or his fingernail. Mm. So I'm not so sure. I don't know that I buy that. I, I doesn't doesn't. I'm not convinced. Well, I, I'll 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 I would say this in a vacuum. 
of who's on the stand or where we're at. You know, if this guy was sitting on a park bench and he had a sandwich <laughs> next to him, I wouldn't be so convinced that he was flicking off the guy who's doing maintenance at the park because I'd say it looked like he was doing. But with the context of this, this guy, guy laying out his dad in the testimony. Yeah, and the, the weird look at the finger thing felt like uh, it felt like a, a move where you ever do a thing where you, you think someone's waving at you at the airport, but they're like waving at the person behind yeah. you, and you kind of you, you engage, and then out. it's like, oh, oh I gotta yeah. fix my hair. <laughs> uh-huh. The staring at the finger was just sort of the fix fix your hair, or like sometimes, like all of a sudden, uh oh, I flipped them off, but I forgot there's a camera on me. R- yeah, or like when I'd be in class and they'd go, uh, "We're um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, Rams football. Who wants to talk about Rams football?" And then I'd start, and they'd go, "But first, we're gonna talk about the Civil War." And then my hand would go back, <laughs> and I'd start fixing the back of my hair, which never really needs fixing because it always looks the same. So I think the look he looked like he was flipping him the bird. Too. Okay, okay, I, in uh, contact. I I I understand. I'm just not. Why did I'm the camera sure. zoom in on him? Because they've got this kind of is and then Gary, is it just YouTube? They. They've always got kind of a three-shot deal. You've got the witness, you've got Murdoch, and then the here you've got his son. But oftentimes they'll have the prosecutor or they'll have the defense lawyer or they'll have somebody else. Are they allowed to have the jury? No. Right. No, that's that's verboten. You, uh, I, in fact, you can't even – I've had judges excoriate and confiscate Artist courtroom artist sketches of jurors, but hold on, and I'll I'll wow. tell you one thing. All right, Green Chef. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I use these guys. Expanded menu. Choose from thirty recipes weekly. Thirty, with the option to mix and match from di- different diets in the same box without changing your plan. So you could be vegan one day, keto the next day. So I could be le- on Lent. Have that, and then, or you could be, you know, what's that diet where you're vegan until six, and then uh, keto after that. Plus, you've got more customization than ever. You can swap the protein in any meal. Also, add chicken or fish to select vegan and vegetarian recipes for added protein. Now offering ten minute lunches, no cooking required. I like this ten minute lunch. You ever mm-hmm. have a ten minute lunch? I have their stuff, and. I did, oh, God, they did a pork, ground pork-based thing that was just amazing. I did the keto package, and it was good. Okay, it was good. Mm -hmm. It's the only meal kit that's carbon and plastic offset, reduced food waste up to 38% versus grocery shopping. Um, I think my uh, favorite recipe would be the steak and creamy Parmesan shrimp. Nice. Which is really good. Right, Gary? That's right. Go to greenchef.com slash doubt60 and use code doubt60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash D-O-U-B-T-6-0 and use the code doubt60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. So I'm going to come back. Is that a compelling witness to you or not? I mean – you would think if you're flipping him off that he's doing damage mm-hmm. if you're the kid, if you buy that. Yeah. But what do you think? Do you think I, that I, turns off a jury? The the witness or the yeah, flipping the off? Flipping off, I, uh, they I don't, don't know about They it. don't know about it. Yeah. Uh, no, the guy seemed competent. Uh, I, I do think he had the right beard. He had, you know, not too big, too big a beard 
is tough. That? Too short a beard. It's got a little Rico Suave to it. He had a good, com- <laughs> confidence-inspiring beard. What would you characterize Emmys as? Oh, yeah. He could fool people in the... And then, yeah. thinking competent. Confident. It's a yeah. competent beard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as he didn't talk. Gary's got yeah. the the suave. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't trust exactly. Gary. Don't trust Gary. No, not yeah. to be trusted. <laughs> not, not to be, to be trusted. trusted. Emmy competent Gary. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then you you go full Duck Dynasty at a certain point, and, and now yeah, then, know, and then that's out. you know that you got a, a real problem. But uh, yeah, I believe this guy, uh, and also I guess credentials matter. It seems like he knows his way around the law, and, right? Uh, and seems- when you pull, you really like that move with pulling out the order. Yeah, that's such a boss move. That's how I got this job, actually. Right. Really? Did you pull it out? You said I, I wore a jacket with a breast pocket. I put my resume in it, and I right. went and asked somebody for a job, and he gave me an email address to send a resume, and I pulled it out and handed it to him and he said that's a fake email address let me give you a different email address wow that is impressive okay so the next one up is uh this is just awful paul murdoch autopsy brain mm. yeah is he going what what are your predictions on this case i'll uh, right after this i'll tell okay. you what i think's happening here by the way gary before we play this two of the jurors were replaced today they're, the jurors are getting knocked off here. Right? Two had COVID. Really? Well, yeah. Either that or they feigned COVID because they couldn't take another minute of this. But um, what's the distribution? I believe it's now. The the uh, distribution now is seven women, five men. Nine of the jurors are white. Three are black. All three black jurors are women. And there are three remaining alternates, two white men and one black woman. So yeah. you want more men on a case like this than women? If you're trying it, if you're defending it. I think I would want women in this case. You would? Yeah. And I think I would like a diverse jury. So I like the, and I'm not in the courtroom, so I can't see, but just based on the demo, I like the, I like the defense chances with this demographic. So here we go. So to me, it makes sense that his head is turned to the left. Um, not necessarily completely, but partially turned to the left. And um, what happened here was an extremely severe, immediately fatal injury, because what it did was that after it went through um, the left side of the neck and face, um, it, our brain is basically held up through um, the skull. So we have bone at the top of the skull, but then we also have a bone that kind of holds up the brain. It went through the base of the skull, okay, which is kind of like this area. The, the brain is up there. And this um, wound, actually, his brain um, was ejected out of the top of the right side yeah. of his head yeah. and actually arrived at the autopsy in a separate bucket. So wow. this, the force of this wound um, actually pushed his, the brain out of his head. There was only just a small piece of brain remaining and that's the brain stem that was attached to um, the spinal cord. Right. Now, if I'm the defense... Her bedside man. I, I was going to say... I mean, you know why? Because she used the word bucket instead of container. Bucket made it that's just That's how seem I know like... she didn't go to finishing school. There's <laughs> also alliteration. It's brain and bucket. But bucket, bucket full of brains... That that's that a a separate container sounds more there professional. Was, yeah, the other yeah, word yeah. that stuck to me was ejected. Ejected, yes. yeah. Ejected and brought in a separate bucket. Yeah. Ew. 
I was just, by the way, I, uh, to me, that fits with the defense theme. He couldn't, I don't care if this guy is the sleaziest thief in the world. This idea that you're going to use his thieving or his embezzling as the springboard to ejecting his son's brain out of his head is a bridge too far. Well, then the next question is, is who killed these people? Because there's two ways we can get our client off. One is, is we can outwit the prosecution. The other is we can find the person who did it. Right. Which uh, I, sometimes I have, easier than Gary and I have speculated all the way through this from day one. Gary, you thought drugs, right? Drugs or gambling. Something, I kept saying gambling. I said this had so all like an the execution. Earmarks. Yeah, yeah. It, I, it, to me, it smacked of somebody who wanted him to remain alive because they still wanted their money back or whatever. Mm-hmm. And by the way, even though Drew, because I asked this question to Drew, why is this guy embezzling so much money? Why is he hammering checks? Because that was one of the other things. Mm-hmm. This guy would send one of his runners to go cash checks. Mm-hmm. And why are you cashing checks? It's either drugs or gambling. It's one or right. the other, right? I mean, right. I don't know. Maybe you can think of another, a third vice that requires a lot of cash. Right. Okay. So if it's that, um, and he's and he's hammering these checks, and it's going on for a period of time. That to me is that he owes somebody. Somebody is putting the screws to him, and that's the person, as Gary just said, who takes out the wife and the son. But they're not going to kill the golden goose. Yeah, you don't kill the person that still has the bar tab with you. Exactly, you want to send literally a very, the bar tab a, a message, obviously. So then. The question is, what about forensics? I mean, well, that's, boy, you just, this is almost like we planned this. <laughs> so the point I was going to make is what's happened today. And Gary, do we have, we don't have any of that stuff that happened today, do we, on the DNA? Anyway, they have gotten into today and um, originally they had blood spatter evidence. But guess what happened? They then sent it out. Turns out the they used all of the sample and there was nothing, no split to test. That kind of goes by the wayside. Then they do this gunshot residue and everybody was chattering about how that was going to prove this, that, or the other thing. That was a uh, lead balloon. Today they were doing DNA and um, and some of the most pro-prosecutorial commentators were saying, I've done DNA before. Uh, in my cases, this presentation fell flat. And so their forensics has not been compelling. Their phone records have not been compelling. And I don't know why they're ending with with this kind of stuff, if they are ending with it. Because, there, for instance, there's been a lot about a raincoat and a blue tarp. Well, when they got to it today, there was no blood on it. So uh, that what, made no sense. What about the weapon? This is the only video that I I have found that has come out today. If you want to take a look at sure. it, sure. Uh, is there a weapon involved here? Yes, but I'll get to that okay. in a second too. All right. All right. Going back to five hundred one. This would be Maggie. Is that correct? Yes. All right. If you could uh, start to detail the injuries that you observed uh, to Maggie in in what what is the most probable order based on your review okay. of the evidence? Well, first of all, this um, was a different weapon. It was not a shotgun with wadding and pellets. 
these injuries that Maggie sustained were um, from they're completely consistent with an assault rifle. Okay, so it's a different <coughs> weapon. And um, I'm going to go through. Hold on, Gary. Pause. Yeah, a different weapon than was used on the sun? Yes. So now the suggestion is, this is what I've been saying before today. Gary will back me up on this. I've said the the evidence is as consistent, if not more so, with two shooters. Mm-hmm. Because, by the way, you think somebody, as they, depending on who you think got shot first, is going to hang around as uh, to get uh, killed? Or do you think it's going to happen relatively simultaneously? So yeah. The, the, the details, Adam, is that the, the wife was shot five times with an assault rifle, and then the son was blasted twice with a shotgun. Oh, so it was a shotgun. Point, Which kind of they point have point. not found either weapon. Mm, correct. But they have ballistics that casings there are consistent with casings elsewhere on the property. But that just... I, to my mind, if you know, if you've got done ballistics, all that tells you is that that's consistent with the weapon, not a particular weapon. So mm. it would be consistent with a, a caliper and style exactly, rifle. Exactly. So that sounds very weird to use two different weapons. Who, who's going to say, I'm going to use an assault weapon, then I'm going to put it down, I'm going to pick up a shotgun, and I'm going to blast. And by the way, I don't care what order it is. Are your two victims just going to stand there because there's no evidence that shows that they were bound? Is it the middle of the night? Are people sleeping? It's it's not the middle of the night. It's around uh, approaching 9 p.m., I believe. Oh, well, yeah, that seems – I mean, unless you use two different weapons to cover yourself, that's the only plausible – I just can't imagine unless somebody's frozen with fright. That's what but, I'm saying. Even if you use two weapons, there's there's no evidence that either party was retreating from where, they, where the shooter was. Mm-hmm. And there's also the ballistic evidence is consistent with somebody, one of the shooters, crouching, which – would be somebody, you know, getting down on their knee and and mm-hmm. um, firing. So, but keep going, Gary, because there's a little bit more here, isn't there? An assault rifle. Okay, so it's a different <clears throat> weapon. And um, I'm going to go through the five wounds, and then we'll think about how I'll try to explain um, my opinion as to the likely order, just sort of like we figured out Paul's um, shotgun wound to the chest came first, but we'll do the same with her. But she's got a few more wounds, so it could be a little bit more, require a little bit more logical thinking. Okay, so she had an entrance wound that was right over there. Okay, it's kind of right below the rib cage, not far from the middle of, of her set midline of her body. For those and who aren't watching wound, on the okay, video, now we're going to remember, you know, front. this is right, right. left. So um, it's very easy to get the right-left situation confused. But that's going from front to back and downward. And there was an exit wound kind of like right down here. Okay. So it entered here. Okay, so we're, we're in a kind of downward direction. It was actually 10 inches below where it entered. So it's, it's pretty low, um, you know, down here, 
was the exit wound. And on the way... Can I say um, this? That, God uh, bless her for not using the metric system. Because <laughs> all these forensic people, I was like, there was a two and a half millimeter no. opening. Now, 22 newton meters <laughs> under that... In the back, we saw the exit wound, which came out about the size of a gram. <laughs> you're just <laughs> uh, saying. You're like, I, I just, lost you. I lost you at the meter. <laughs> yeah, gramometer. Like just, just. I like her ten inches down. Yeah. I can see that. Well, and you. So that would be presumably somebody who is standing at that point. Right. Right. Okay. Shooter. Right. And is she? Is she, I mean, not hired by, but who is talking to her? Is this the defense? That's the prosecutor. The prosecutor. Right. Okay. So she's pointing out that he was shot and there was two different weapons used and they've not retrieved either of the weapons? Correct. As far as we know, they don't have either weapon. And this is the um, description of how Maggie um, uh, met her demise and the by the assault weapon. It's pretty low, um, you know, down here was the exit wound, and on the way, um, that um, projectile, that bullet, went through the um, abdominal wall, that's like our muscle and all that, and then once it got inside the body, it went through mesentery, which is the supportive um, tissues of our intestines. So it went through mesentery, has all the blood vessels and lymphatics, all that stuff that supports our intestines. The intestines take up a lot of room in there. So I, to me, this, I, I don't know why the prosecutor, you know, presumably they're towards the end of their case. Mm-hmm. This raises more questions to me than it answers. If, yes. if I'm if I'm the a, a trying to be a dispassionate observer, two different guns we don't have either. One is an assault weapon. Which, by the way, Gary, how often do you hear anybody talk about the assault weapon? I mean, we had that one bit of testimony from the weapons expert, but not at all. Not at all. And I think that's so significant to me. That's you know, you can talk about shotguns. You can talk about their their shoot a shooting range at the place. Where is the assault weapon, and why didn't somebody? Why isn't there testimony about? Oh yeah, he had an assault weapon. I saw him. You know, he and I used to go shooting all the time with the assault weapon. And to also that I know it's a stereotype. But if I'm one of the jurors, I'm thinking assault weapon, huh? And two different weapons. Doesn't that fit right into your gut suspicion that this had to be somebody who was trying to send a message? It feels – this feels important to me because, well, you know, a lot of times when guys buy an assault weapon, there's pictures of them holding it in front of the Christmas tree and leaning against their truck and stuff. People like to hold the assault weapon. And so in an absence of that – but, you know, if one thought about killing two family members – one would assume, go, what would be the best tool for this job? Would it be a handheld? Would it be an assault weapon? Would it be a shotgun? And then presumably one would just use that one, as, weapon. That one weapon once you decided which tool was best for this job. The, the sort of rogue killer gang theory makes sense because one guy may be comfortable 
with this weapon of choice, literally. And the other guy might be comfortable, you know, the guy saying, shotgun, this will get it done every time. And the other guy goes, I don't trust that shit, or I'm not a hunter, I like this. You know, this is what I use. I just do not understand how this presentation of evidence, because to me, it's what some guys... I'm gonna blow. I'm gonna blow away and eject my son's brains. Then I'm gonna put the shotgun down. I'm gonna pick up the assault weapon. And mind you, the as you just heard the testimony, the bullets are going from front to back. So she didn't turn around. She didn't run away. Same thing right, with the right. kid. It's. It would appear to be, by all uh, uh, accounts, simultaneous shootings. Well, in a case like this, if I was arguing for the defense, I'd say literally the smoking gun is the smoking gun. Like, if you are planning something like this, then getting rid of the evidence is about the most important job you have. Why create... 100% more evidence. (laughs) These are now two things you need to get rid of versus one. And by the way, the prosecution is compressing this timeline for a variety of reasons. you got to believe that not only did he use two guns, put one gun down, pick up another gun, then use that gun. Then he takes both guns, disposes of both guns, makes sure that he changes his clothes, takes off all the clothes, makes sure that they're not anywhere, then gets a tarp, then gets a raincoat, then hides those and miraculously, there's no blood evidence on any of those things as well. Yeah, Does that makes I mean, sense. Is your have you ever argued that, like in this case, my impulse would be, ladies and gentlemen, Jerry, if I'm the defense, you've heard a lot of stuff. This is a horrible story, and I I get why, you know, I I I get why we're here, but with no weapon and no forensics and no uh, DNA and no blood spatter, whatever, like it, with all the, all the parade of horribles we've seen here in a vacuum of all this stuff. And it's beyond a reasonable doubt. It's not a preponderance of evidence. How can you can put a man in jail for the rest of his life in this vacuum of evidence? I've I've argued that I've uh, won on the basis of that, and in this case, I I still come back to I think there's compelling evidence that that because the other thing that they kept do, ballyhooing was the um, phone evidence. And, mm-hmm. Well, now we got something today. I don't think they've seen it yet, Gary, right? I don't think they've seen it yet. And it's but not yeah. the phone. Guess what finally turned up today? Apparently, he had a GM product. What did he have, a truck? I believe it was oh, like a Suburban or something. Yeah. yeah. They apparently said they could not comply. The prosecution had subpoenaed this stuff. They, the GM said, we can't get it to you. It's too voluminous, blah, blah, blah. They go to trial. Today, as we're taping this on Monday, apparently they got it over the weekend. And the preliminary reaction by the defense is, hey, judge, this stuff appears to be good for us. Mm-hmm. The OnStar. Meaning so you they tell, can geo-track the truck. Or well, I was going to tell better. you. Yeah. They can lock and unlock or say when it's put started. Put into gear. Or put into gear, even mm-hmm. that Put granular. into gear, put into park. Stuff like that. So they and it's down to the second. So they've got this timeline of like how he moved his vehicle around, and it's it seems to be very detailed. Now the the timing of this, because the prosecution is what have they been this week four? This is so, the start of week four. Yes. Yeah. So they've got a timeline. They built into this timeline. They've gone full hog into this timeline. If that GM data 
comes out and undercuts their timeline, if I'm the prosecutor, I, I'm going to try to engineer a mistrial and start over because that's a real problem. Because if I've invested all of this into a timeline that now the GM timing of it, so to speak, down to the second undercuts that, that becomes uh, immensely difficult for them. Yeah, so you worked out this whole timeline thing, and then at some point, somebody comes out of the woodwork and says, uh, no, he was over at my house, and I remember he was there till uh, after midnight because we watched Kimmel's uh, monologue and his first guest was Clooney, and now he still could have done it, but you put together this elaborate construct of the timeline, and we just shot holes in your timeline. And this will have the imprint or the the idea of being very clinical, no axe to grind, it's just the data. We've right. got this data, we downloaded it, this is, you know, we sync this up, blah, blah, blah. This is not like phone records or a uh, cell phone tower that's, you know, bouncing all over the place. This is GPS uh, enabled and data that is being downloaded I last time I saw one of these was that case where the kid was charged with murder out in Pomona. They they have the data that is in real time reporting back and forth instantly. Right. And so if they've got that and it turns out that he's somewhere else in gear driving at the time the prosecution is invested, that's that's a real problem for the prosecution. All right, well, we will keep you posted because I'm getting into this case and I'm not even a middle-aged Karen sitting in front of a computer. <laughs> this Thursday, West Palm Beach, best pretzel bun this side of the Mississippi. And that'll be uh, oh at the Palm God. Beach Improv. I'll be doing stand-up there. And then uh, it's off to Baltimore. And that's at McGooby's uh, Joke House. The first two shows, I think, are sold out. Gary told me, but they're still... Still tickets to late night shows. Just go to mcrow.com for all the live shows. What do you got, Mark? Well, I think this week I'm going to plug, uh, unusually, Alex and Ani, since it's uh, Valentine's Day tomorrow. Ooh. Go to alexandani.com and... Uh, you know, they've got something called the Chocolate Collection, which I think is a winner if you combine it with some flowers. So, till next time, Adam Carolla for Mark Hard Out, Soft Taco, Garagos. Say it. Mahalo. Thanks for listening to Reasonable Doubt. Tune in next Saturday for an all-new episode. is Corolla Digital. All month long on Pluto TV, stream the biggest Tyler Perry movies free. Watch your favorites like Medea's Witness Protection and Medea's Big Happy Family. Join Tyler Perry as he goes on a couples retreat with Sharon Leal in Why Did I Get Married? Or Idris Elba and Gabrielle Union in the Tyler Perry directed film Daddy's Little Girls. Plus, Pluto TV has hundreds of channels with thousands more movies and TV shows available on live and on demand. Download the free Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. Hi, I'm Caitlin Van Maul, host of I Survived. If you enjoy I Survived, we are excited to announce a new launch. Starting November 15th, we'll be reposting our classic episodes from season one of I Survived. We hope to reach a whole new audience with these important stories of survival. And for those of you who have been with us since the beginning, we think these powerful episodes warrant another listen. Starting November 15th, look out for those episodes and more news from I Survived.